back in September, we had uh, we had remembered 9/11. I knew where, I knew where I was back then. I knew the day. I knew exactly what was happening. I knew exactly the time, what I what I was doing at the time that the actual events had had, had happened. Uh, we remember. All of us remember those of us who were uh, born or alive um, back then. And we don't, and the, the phrase is, let's, let us not forget. Let us not forget. Let us not forget. Today, we're going to be looking at Jesus and his encounter with the religious leaders and the Pharisees. We're going to be looking at his, his um, instruction to his disciples. And he urges them and he challenges them and he rebukes them in a certain sense not to forget what God has done. Our scripture passage this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark verses, at chapter 8 verses 10 through 21. And immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmasua. The Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that they have no bread? Do you not see? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, 12. When I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you, yet, do you not yet understand? And may God add the blessing to the reading of his word. So we're going to look at three specific points. Number one, to test him. That's verses 10 and 12. Secondly, verses 13 through 15, watch out. And then thirdly, 16 through 21, do not, do you yet, do you not yet understand? And that's verses 16 through 21. To test him. And immediately, verse 10, immediately with his he entered the boat with the disciples and came to the district of Dalmathua. Now Jesus at this point had covered all of Israel. There wasn't a, a, there wasn't a spot in Israel or Palestine where Jesus had not yet gone at this point. This was like the, the last spot. So here Jesus was. And the Pharisees and the, um, came out. So we know who the Pharisees are. The Pharisees are the religious leaders 
uh, one of the groups of the religious leaders. The religious leaders were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Pharisees came out and they were strict on keeping the law while on their interpretation of the law and their traditions, as we had seen in the past prior to this. And so the Pharisees came out and they did what? What were they doing? They began to do what? Argue with him. So what were they looking to do? Were they looking to, here the religious leaders were, they were, were they seeking knowledge? Were they seeking to understand? Were they seeking to have a greater insight into what Jesus was saying or doing? Or trying to understand who he was? What was their purpose in coming? They were seeking to argue with him. They began and began to argue. You ever, you ever meet people who love to pick a fight just for the sake of picking a fight? Or to cause trouble just for the sake of causing trouble? Or maybe because they don't like the other person, so they'll cause an argument for the sake of creating havoc and chaos in a situation. I've met people like that. I'm sure we all have. We could have been one of those people. Seeking an argument. Well, the Pharisees, that's what they came to do. They came to argue with Jesus because they had a specific point in mind that they wanted to address with Jesus and they weren't looking for insight into new knowledge or new revelation. They were looking for to argue their point. They were looking to argue their side. They were looking to argue their way of looking at things. We do that too sometimes. I've done it before. We have a specific point in mind that we have. We have a certain way of thinking in our hearts, a certain way, a certain position, a political position. And a lot of people who have strong political feelings or positions have a certain thing in mind and they want to go and they want to argue their point trying to force you to see their point of view as if an argument is going to their argument is going to persuade you or change you in your thinking well we do that too in the hopes of rather than trying to gain insight or gain knowledge or gain understanding of something we'll look to argue our point argue our position. So, and he says, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. So they were looking, number one is that they were looking, they began to argue with him. They're looking for a fight. They're looking for an argument. They're not looking for knowledge. They're not looking for insight. They're not looking for understanding. But they want their purpose is to argue, and then number two is their purpose is for to get Jesus to prove Himself. 
Where have we heard that before? Where have we seen that before in the scriptures? With Jesus. How about Satan? When he took Jesus, when Jesus began his ministry, and he tempted him, and to test him. And was Satan was trying to get to test Jesus to, to fall into his trap. Think about it. Remember when Satan tempted Jesus? One of the temptations was, was to get him to test God. You never test God. Unless God allows you to, like in a situation like with Gideon, if you read that. God allowed him to do that, but not in the general public sense. Only if God initiates it. But here they were looking not for insight or answers, but they were looking for to test Jesus, to catch him what? In a trap so they could prove him what? Wrong. They were looking to test God. You don't test God as if God needs to prove himself, right? Does God need to prove himself to us? Absolutely not. We're a creation. He's the creator. He holds and sustains all things in his hands. He's done all that is good and right in our, in our, in our world, in our universe. So there's no need to even question or even dare to test God. Prove it to me. You ever hear people say that? Prove it to me. And that's what they were doing. Prove it to me. Show me. And it's not like they were looking. They already had their minds made up. Remember, they came to argue, right? They came to argue with Jesus. They came to... Because they had in their mind, this is what, this is what I'm, I have in my mind, and I'm not going to change it. They weren't open to the change. And so they're arguing a point, and they're going to say, well, Jesus, prove it. If you're really God, then show yourself. Uh, show, your, show a sign from heaven. Okay. Well, what about that? What about the sign? God wasn't going to cater to their little plans, their little ways of doing things that were um, trying to put God uh, to the test. God already had shown himself, show, showed signs from heaven, didn't he? Think about the other scriptures. What did Jesus do? What other signs did Jesus do? or signs from heaven that they already saw, that they were already there. How about when Jesus, when the sky opened up, when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist? And what happened? What came down from the heaven? The Holy Spirit and settled on Jesus. Everyone saw it was in plain sight. You look at the Gospel of John, look at Matthew, look at Luke. It tells us all about that, how the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. Was that a sign? That was absolutely a sign. They saw that. They knew that. And the work and the ministry of John the Baptist himself 
was a sign from heaven. The forerunner to the, to the Messiah. All signs that already had been given. That were visible to all. As if signs from heaven of Jesus healing the lame. Opening the eyes of the blind. Opening the mouth of the dumb. Opening the ears of the deaf. Setting the demonics free. Demoniacs free. People who are possessed by demons free. All signs from God to people to see the visible work of Jesus in his preaching. His preaching was with what was what what was with power, with anointing. That's a sign from God. He, he spoke like we've never heard anyone speak like this. And how was that happened? Because that was happened as the anointing and the power of God was upon Jesus to minister. All signs from heaven. All signs that they already had had. And they weren't, because they weren't looking for information. They weren't looking for new insight. They weren't looking to be changed. They weren't looking to gain understanding. All, they already had been given those signs, but they were just looking to trap Jesus. So that they could have a point where they could arrest him. Where he could say something or do something that was against their law. So they would have valid room in order for them to in order for them to arrest Jesus or put Jesus away. And we need to be careful when we approach God. We need to be careful about asking him for signs. We need to be careful about saying, God, show me. Prove it to me, God. Don't we do that sometimes? If you're really real, God, if you're really my God, if you're really my God, you're going to prove it to me. You have to prove it to me. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to do anything we demand of him. There are some groups and some teachings that demand the saying, well, God, you have to heal it. God, you're going to heal it. No, God doesn't have to do anything we demand of him. Absolutely not. He's not a puppet that we can manipulate. He's not. He's God, and he's in control, and he is Lord over all. And we have to... We can't demand things from God, and we can't put God to the test and say, prove it to me. If you're really my God, if you're really real, you can't do that. Because God has already done things and already shown himself to us in miraculous ways. He doesn't need to show us anything that he hasn't already shown us. So we can't demand anything from God. And how did Jesus respond to him? Do you just hear me breathe deep? Have, have we ever done that? My kids tease me when I do that. <laughs> Dad, why are you sighing? We've done it too, haven't we, guys? We're in a situation where, a circumstance where it's difficult or where the, the folks that we're working with don't understand, or they just don't get it, or 
It's a, it's a way to release. And what did Jesus do? He saw it. Why? Because here these were these religious leaders who should have known better. But their purpose, and again, their purpose and intent wasn't to learn from God, to seek God, to have a relationship with God. Their purpose was to put God to the test. And with that, Jesus sighed. And when we do the same thing, when we demand of God, when we ask God to prove it to me, God, what does God do? God sighs. Because it grieves his heart. Sighing is another word of grieving. It grieves his heart when we come to him like that. It grieves his heart. It really does. And we need to guard ourselves. We come to him humbly. We come to him in faith, right? God, you've shown me everything. What does Psalm 19 say? The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament is handiwork. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they speak forth knowledge. There is no voice. There is no place where his word is not heard. Think about that. He's already shown himself in his creation. Look at the flowers. I brought my wife home some flowers and some roses the other day from Produce Junction. And um, pink roses, and it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and it's, I like to do the theme with that as well. But I didn't realize when I got in the flowers that the flowers had a fragrance to them. You know how roses have a beautiful fragrance? Some roses. And these roses had that, that fragrance. Only a rose could have. Remember the, remember the phrase, take time to smell the roses? Well, this had that fragrance that, the fragrance that only you could, you can't mistake for being a rose. That's God's creation. What did God do there? Look at our children. Look at the other children of the world. Look at the, look at the, um, look at the, the mountains or look at the, the, uh, all of the rest of creation and the intricacies of creation. God has already shown himself. Does he need to show himself anymore? Does he need to prove himself anymore? Jesus rose from the dead. Does he need to prove himself anymore? Jesus is alive today. Does he need to prove himself anymore? Does he? To demand our, uh, to get our allegiance? He's already shown it millions of times over in multiple ways. So he doesn't have to prove anything to us, which he hasn't already shown us. So it says, no sign will be given to you. Why does a generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. They already had the sign. So the generation, the sign that they're looking for, the miraculous things of God, the miraculous workings of God, the, the miraculous power of God, the salvation saving the spirit, the spirit of salvation that God has given to those who believe in Jesus Christ will not be theirs because they don't believe. 
the life-changing power. How many of us have been changed by the life-giving power of Jesus in our lives? I have, and I hope you have as well. Well, that generation and those who refuse to believe are not going to know that. They're not going to see that in their lives. I've been healed physically. I've been healed mentally. I've been healed, delivered from alcohol and drugs by the power of God. But those people won't, those who refuse to believe and believe what they've already seen will, will, not, yet, will not see the sign of the power of God working in their lives. That's why we need to continue to believe in Jesus. What is he? He's miraculously saved each one of us. Those of us who know him and love him are miraculously saved. And, and saved from the power of sin and death. Saved from the power of Satan and his, and his cruel plans. Saved from the power of the addictions that would hold us. Saved from the power of sin that would seek to enslave us. Free from that, folks. Free. That by the power of God working in our lives through the Holy Spirit set us free. And we will receive eternal life and live with Jesus forever. We already have eternal life. We'll be with him forever and ever and ever. They'll never know that for those who don't believe. Because they refuse to believe what God already said. and What God already done. Right? So what is, and, the, and the, look at this. Verses 13 to 15. Watch out. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Okay, so they forgot to take bread with them, right? They forgot to take food with them. We do it. We forget stuff, don't we? We do. I do. I think we all do. We all forget our keys. We forget something sometimes. Sometimes when we get, as we get older, we forget more things. So, but we do. It happens. But that's not the point here. The point is not that they forgot something, but the point is, is that they have forgotten something much bigger than a loaf of bread or not food. They've forgotten something much bigger. Remember what I said at my beginning of my illustration. Let us not forget. Right? Let us not forget. We didn't forget 9-11. They kept bringing it over every year. And on September 11th, they keep reminding us, let us not forget this year was the 20th, what, 20th anniversary, wasn't it? Let's not, for, let's not forget, right? Well, they forgot to take bread. And he was giving orders to them saying, watch out. And it's an idea when you hear say when you hear say somebody say watch out. What do you what how do you respond? How do you watch out? What is that? What is that to you? That's a warning, isn't it? A warning. Red lights go on. You know, watch out. Beware. Be on the alert about what is going on. Be aware. Be alert. 
Watch out. Around in back in those days in the, the cities in in Asia and most a lot of cities around the world of uh, the important cities had walls built around. What did Jerusalem have around it? A wall. What did Jericho have around it? A wall. And what were those walls? Those walls were there to protect them from the enemy, weren't they? But on those walls they would have sentries uh, who would watch out and look out for any danger that might happen, right? Watch out, be aware. It was always on the alert. God forbid you fall asleep in the job and the enemy came, right? On your watch. Remember here the saying, not on my watch. The idea there that if you're a sentry and it's on, it's your turn to watch and it's your turn to be aware, you need to be alert and aware of what's going on. Lest others become in danger because you weren't aware. So what, and this is an idea, the, when I was studying this, it means there's a commitment to a long-term way of doing something. In other words, there's a commitment not just to be alert and aware now, but it's watching out and being aware as a way of life. You're committed to being alert and being aware that you're not going to do these things. So when Jesus is saying this, he's saying to them, be alert, be aware, watch out as a way of life. That you're not oblivious, you're not caught off guard, you're not caught napping, so to speak, on your watch. Right? Of the eleven of the Pharisees and eleven of Herod. Now listen to this definition of leaven. This is really important, folks. Really important. Really important. Leaven is the hardening of the heart, which means lack of insight or understanding and faith. I'll read to you again. The hardening of the heart, which means a lack of insight or understanding and faith. What did the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the, and, the, and the Herodians do? Well, they, they came, the Pharisees, what did the Pharisees come to do? They came to what? To test Jesus, right? They weren't looking for, to gain insight or understanding, were they? They already had been given signs, like I said. They already had been given um, points where they could see the work and the hand of God. And what had happened? Their hearts became hard. They didn't remember. They didn't gain insight. They didn't gain understanding from what God had already done. Right? They already had seen these things that God had done. They already had seen the work that he had done, but they hadn't remembered, and they didn't gain insight. They didn't gain any understanding as to what God had already done. And so therefore their hearts became hard. And the harder their hearts became, 
the, the more they refused to believe what God had done and who God is. That's the same thing the way it is with everyone else. Is that you see the work of God. You see the handiwork of God. You see the things that he has done. You see the existence and all that he has done. You look up at the skies and the stars. And you see the beauty of that. You look at the ocean. You see all the, the, the life in the sea. Or the animals and the creation here. Or in the forest or in the the topography of our world, and you see the beauty and the natural things of, that God has made, which man, where man hasn't destroyed it already. And you see God, but yet you don't gain any insight or understanding into the hand of God who has made it, the creator, the sustainer. You look at your own life. You look at your own children if you have children. Or you look at other children. And you see life in them. You see people in them. You see the multiplicity of diversity in people. And you see the creation of God in them. You see the, the difference of people in the languages. Hair color, eyes, facial features, body features. All because of God. And yet people will deny that God is in existence. And, and say that it came, like the universe came about in the Big Bang Theory. And there's an evolution. No, there's not evolution. It's all by the hand of God. And they deny God. And the more they deny God and what he has done from what they have seen, then what happens? The more they deny, the harder their hearts become. They don't remember. They don't look at. They don't gain insight into understanding into what God has already done and what God is doing right now. And that's where your hearts become hard. But when you gain understanding is, is where you see what God has done saying, Oh, I see that was your hand, God. I see that you moving. I see that you've done this. That you have done this. 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 This was by your hand. This is only by what you have done. And think about that, folks. It's God. How can you explain it? How can I explain having medical needs of concern and getting it checked out, and getting lab work done, serious stuff, and then going back a couple months later and getting the lab work done, and again for a follow-up, and it's gone down completely to normal. How do you explain that? God. Only God. Only God. That was my, that's my experience. Serious, life-threatening stuff. But our God has brought the healing. Right? Amen. My boys are a gift from God. My wife is a gift from God. Her life here is a gift from God. The healing power of God. How can you deny that? 
And the more you deny the things of God in your life, the harder your heart becomes. The less you deny them and the more you look towards God, the softer your heart becomes and the more loud the voice of God becomes in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you not yet understand? They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Oh, they had one loaf with them. Right? They were in the boat. They were hungry. You know how we get when we get hungry. Oh, we don't have any food. Ever go on a trip? I've gone on a trip with my family, and we get hungry. Oh, we don't have any food. You know how it is. We all know how that is. Your stomach takes over, and you're hungry. I get it. We all get it. But disciples here, they you know they were hungry, but that's okay. That's not that's not the. But again, that's not the point. It says. Discuss the fact that they had no bread. They, they just missed what Jesus had just said. Jesus, what did he just say? Watching out, being aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, the influence of the Pharisees and the religious leaders on them, lest their hearts become hard, right? He just told them, watch out, be aware. But what were they focused on? They were focused on what? The bread. They were hungry. Right? They just missed what Jesus said about watching out and being aware. These were his own disciples. The ones that were closest to him. And they missed it. We miss it sometimes too, folks. We do. So, and he goes on here. And Jesus is aware of this. Jesus is perceptive. Jesus knows things. He knows the hearts of people. And they were discussing this among themselves, and they weren't discussing it with Jesus, but Jesus was aware of the discussion that was going on among the disciples. And he was fully aware and understood what was happening. And he was saying to them, why did you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Why do you discuss the fact you don't have any bread? Why do you do that? Did you not see the Pharisees coming? Did I not just warn you to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the hardening of the heart because they saw and saw the things that I've done? They saw the things that I accomplished and yet they wouldn't believe. Did you miss that? Watch out. Be aware. Why are you discussing the whole bread thing? Why are you discussing this? Do you not, and he said, he said, do you not yet see and understand? Listen to these words for see. This is, a, it says, do you not, this is verse 17. This is so critically important. It says, knowledge that is, that is inductive and logical. In other words, you get it by gaining under, by looking at it and studying it. Uh, perceive with the mind. In other words, you you gain knowledge, you perceive, you understand. It says, a mental grasp by weighing and reasoning the matter in an appropriate manner. The matter in an appropriate manner. So you 
get things by observing and by understanding and by reasoning and you figure things out. Okay, and you see. You see, okay, this is what happens when you do this. This is what happens when you do this. And so you gain a logical insight into what is happening. And understand, a wise discriminate and to wisely discriminate and evaluate to comprehend, to gain insight as a result of putting things together. So you put things together and you come to the conclusion of something. And what is that? That God is in this. So what is Jesus saying? He says, do you not yet see or understand? In other words, have you put two and two together? Does it come out to four? Or have you even thought about putting two and two together? Do you not yet see? Don't you yet understand? Do you not put things together? Do you not uh, discriminate and evaluate and see what's going on here in the situation? Having eyes you do not see, having ears you don't hear? Do you, and do you not remember? Hey, how about that word? Remember. Don't you remember? Haven't you seen when I broke the five loaves and got 5,000, which is probably more closer to 10,000 because you probably had women and children there too, right? Don't you remember that? Remember. How about how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? How many full or broken baskets. He didn't say how many baskets. Look at the word. How did he describe it there? How many full baskets did you have? Because remember, they started out with, and he said to him, 12. Because they only started out with five loaves and two, uh, two fish. And how many baskets did they have left over? 12 full baskets. 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. Full baskets. Abundance. Did you miss that? Did you miss what God had done? You're, we don't have any bread, Jesus. What are we going to do? I forgot to, we forgot to take bread. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, what did Jesus just do? with the 5,000? Or what did Jesus just do with the 4,000? Which wasn't too long ago. Didn't you see that? Did you gain, gain insight? Did you see? Did you understand? Do you hear what is going on? Do you? Because what God, lest your heart becomes lest you fall in the trap, beware. Watch out that you don't become like the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, hardening of the hearts because you saw and you forgot and your heart becomes hard and you, and you, and you don't believe. Lest you don't believe. And how did Jesus end it? He was saying to them, do you yet not do you not yet understand? Don't forget what I've done. 
understand what I'm doing, and trust me, believe in me for now and for the future. Do you understand? Do you understand? Don't forget. Observe. See what God's doing. Remember, make this as a long-term way of doing things, right? As a lifestyle, as a way of life, you f observe and you see and you are at all at, the, at, at God and what he has done. And you don't forget. You remember, right? You remember. We remember what God has done and is doing. Lest our hearts become hard like the Pharisees. And they refuse to believe God. And they refuse to have faith in God. And they question God and they put God to the test. Try to put God to the test. Remember, folks. Soften your hearts and say, okay, guys, see, I remember what you've done. I know that you saved me miraculously. I know where I was. I know what you did then. I know what you've done since then. I know what you're doing now. And I see what we're doing now. I see the beauty in your creation. I see your handiwork. I see, I look at the stars, and I look at the flowers, and I look at the wildlife, and I look at the, 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 the mountains, and the, and the forests, and the trees, and all of everything else in between. I see that's you. It's you, Jesus. It's you. And I'm not going to forget, and I'm going to trust you in my circumstances now. Can God do it? Absolutely he can. Did he do it then? Can he do it now? Absolutely. Can he provide bread now when we don't have bread? Absolutely. Did he do it then? Did he do it then? Did he provide the 5,000 or the 4,000? Did he do it then? Has he done the miraculous in our lives before? Has he done it? He has done it. He has done it, folks. He's done it. Over and over and over and over again. And he continues to do it. And shame on us if we don't see that. And shame on us if we don't believe God for what he wants to do now. Do we have financial needs? Absolutely we do. Can he provide? Absolutely. And can he provide in abundance? How many baskets were left over of the, the, the 5,000? 12. How many baskets were left over for the 7,000? Uh, for the 4,000? Seven. Full basket. Abundance. Symbolic of what? Abundance. God can provide abundantly. He's able to do immeasurably more than even all we ask or even think. Folks, he can do it. So why do we question God? Oh, God, I don't know if you can do this. This is too big, God. This is too big, God. Nothing's too big for God. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's a giver of life. Well, this, this medical need is too big for you, God. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It isn't, folks. So why do we question God as if he's not able to do something or question why he can't do it? Well, God, I don't know if you can do this. I don't know if you want to do this. Trust him. Believe him. Don't question him. Lest your heart become hard. Get a soft heart. Get a soft heart by believing God now and remembering what he has done so that you can believe him for now right now amen amen let's go ahead and pray god thank you for 
your mercies. Thank you for your kindnesses. God, help us to remember. Help us not to forget what you have done. Help us to believe you for the now. Help us to have soft hearts, O oh God, and just believe you for great and wonderful, mighty things even right now. Father, we're looking to you. We're trusting you. We're looking and believing that you are able to do whatever it is that we're, we're, we're looking for in our lives. God, you're able to do it. You're able to do great and wonderful, mighty things in our midst. Have your way. Do whatever you want to do, O oh God. Do whatever you want to do, O oh God, in our midst. Thank you, Father. We love you and we worship you. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory both now and forever. Amen. Father, I pray to miss you now, to miss your people now with your peace and with your joy. And Father, save those of us who need salvation. Sanctify those of us who need sanctifying, O oh God, here this morning we pray. Do a mighty, wonderful, miraculous work in our midst as only you can do. And we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name.